This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2. And uh, I want to share with you this morning, I, if I could somewhat turn this worship service today into a worshipful counseling session for all of us, I would love to do that. Those of you that are watching by internet at home, I'd like for you to follow along with us too because I'm going to give some great biblical admonishment and instruction from the Word today. And it applies mainly to all of us, but we're thinking about Mother's and Mother's Day today, and we can tie the knot on that application as well. But I'm going to read for you this morning, beginning in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word says this, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, that means pure in heart, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Think about this subject today, lessons of a godly woman. The basic thought of this text before us today places a great deal of emphasis on godly maturity. Godly maturity in men and women. And that's something that I would love to convey to you today, and I hope and pray that you'd be like a sponge and just soak this up this morning. This is good for every soul here today. Now, primarily verse number two is an admonishment to men, and then in verse three to women. And so because today is Mother's Day, we're going to focus on lessons of a godly woman. And I believe this, that every mature godly woman has a responsibility to teach the younger women an utmost responsibility. And not just in church and not just in Sunday school, but taking advantage in, in our everyday lives. That's so important. You may not think about it as a great priority right now, but believe me, years will go by in a flash and you'll look back on time that's gone by. And I promise you, as you look in the rearview mirror of time, you would wish, and I believe will wish, that you had put more emphasis and priority on the things of God by taking advantage of every opportunity that God sets before you. And that will go a long way in strengthening the homes that one day your children will have, and even your grandchildren. I believe that the Lord God Almighty, he desires among many things that our homes be one of the sweetest places on the planet, on the earth. 
and it's in the home that God would prefer that a lot of godly lessons and spiritual lessons are taught, not just in church. That's a given. It should be a given, but especially in our home. And I can assure you that homes of a godly nature and a godly atmosphere that please the Lord, that's never just something that's just a given. Because if your home is going to be a godly place where there is a godly atmosphere, a place where Jesus is Lord, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take conviction. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take humility. It's going to take time. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take listening and sharing and lovingly guiding. That's a lot involved. But if you want your home and family to turn out to be a success, these things must be applied. None of our homes will ever reach their full potential unless Jesus Christ is crowned Lord and King of it all. I believe it's a sad truth, but so many other things take the place of godly things in our home. I want you to listen to this startling statistic. The average home has less, and see if this is in comparison to your place, because this is an average statistic. The average home has less than two hours of spiritual emphasis throughout each and every week. Out of 168 hours every week, less than two are given to the Lord. And that's something that should really grab our attention because from the practical side of this thing, of our busy lives, we, we can itemize. And I did that. I jotted down a few things and just from the practical side of our busy lives, we're worn out with our jobs, with our health, with our finances, with our children, with our grandchildren, with housework and yard work, the telephone, computer, from the television to video games, to paying bills and shopping and self-manufactured drama. You think about this. All of that stuff and more fills nearly every second of our lives, days and nights. And that's just the routine of things, things that we do day after day. But in addition to these things that I've just mentioned, in addition to the normal stuff, I can assure you of this, that the devil will always find a way to raise his ugly head in your home. And I assure you that if the normal wear and tear of life isn't enough to take your eyes off of Jesus, be assured that the devil is never in short supply of clever devices to occupy whatever time is left over for you to spend with Jesus. And when that happens, listen, I assure you, it's going to be a very difficult thing to try to cram Jesus in at the end of a night or an end of a week to try to cram Jesus in with any time that you may have left over. And that's one thing that I'm afraid that a lot of us do is try to cram Jesus in. But listen carefully. If we're going to take time to evaluate this for what it is and call it as real as it gets, 
It's going to take more than a picture on your wall to, of Jesus. It's going to take more than you watching the 700 Club maybe once or twice a week. It's going to take more than a family Bible on your coffee table to fortify your life and your home against the fiery darts of the devil. If Jesus is going to be crowned Lord of your life and Lord of your home, then you've got to be taught how to contend for the prize. There is a scripture that says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24, it says, Know ye not they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. All of us are in the race of life. All of us should be contending for the prize. Never before have I ever seen such an attack on the family and homes as I see it today. Now, if you don't know this, let me explain something to you this morning that there, I believe this with all of my heart. There's a satanically inspired war going on against the family, against marriage, against fatherhood, and against motherhood today. This, this earth has lost its mind. You think about this just for a moment. We have to spiritually protect our families. In Titus chapter 2, verse number 4, it's a short verse, but look at it. It's impacted with great spiritual truths. I want you to notice this, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And so to all of the ladies here today, let me first say that one of your biggest responsibilities, listen, ladies, everyone. Now, again, this applies, this, this text if you go back to verse 2, it applies to men, but here in this particular day and celebration, verse 4, there is a spiritual application to women. And so, ladies, let me say that one of your biggest responsibilities is to be a godly teacher, a godly influence. And that comes from studying the Word of God. It comes from applying it to your own personal life. It comes by passing it down to someone else. And that's, that's a biblical responsibility. Perhaps there's somebody in here today, and I think a good Sunday morning crowd on Mother's Day, cold and rainy outside, I'm tremendously pleased with the attendance this morning, and I know it has honored the Lord, but perhaps in here today, somebody can look back on a period of time when somebody took the time to teach you great spiritual lessons of life that now you, in your adult years, you still practice today. And that's incredible. That's priceless. I'm sure many of you in here today remember when somebody took the time to teach you some valuable lessons, maybe valuable lessons that your own mother taught you. Some of these things you look back on and you chuckle at them today, but they're impacted with a lot of truth. I've shared this with you a few times before, and I'd like to share it with you again this morning. Some of you remember the time your mother to be a great teacher of logic. You remember her saying something like this, if you fall off of that swing and break your neck, you cannot go to the store with me. Now that's a statement of logic. Doesn't that make sense? How can you go to the store with a broken neck? 
How many of you remember your mother teaching you great lessons on genetics? I mean, when you made her really, really mad. And she would say something like this, you are just like your father. <laughs> or how about the great lessons of anticipation? You just wait till we get home. That's something that every child looks forward to, right? Did you ever hear your mother teach great lessons on prayer? You better pray that comes out of the carpet. How many of you ever been there? Maybe your mother tried to teach you some great lessons on justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they'll turn out just like you. But seriously... Mature Christian women, according to this scripture right here, ought to be in our hearts, in our priorities. We need to be willing to teach the younger ones in our life, in our world, how to discipline their lives to build godly Christian homes. Let me ask you, are you doing that? Ladies today, are you, are you using your time and your priorities Listen, I'm not talking about just in Sunday school in a church with a pamphlet or a handout. I'm talking about how many of you spend time at home teaching your children how to have godly homes, Christ-honoring homes, how to glorify the Lord. And let me ask you, what would you consider to be some of the great influences in your life right now? What influences you? What influences your children or your grandchildren what are the things that spiritually inspire you today? I was saddened by a lot of what I read and recently and what I see going on in our world today, but this is so true. Many people try to live out their lives and become totally influenced by only what they look at on the internet or what they see on the television. Now you think about how detrimental that is. They see all of this unreal fantasy stuff and somehow they believe that this is the way that life ought to be. And then when things turn out to be a train wreck and things don't match up with cable television and People Magazine and the tabloids and the rock singers and the professional athletes and movie stars, then it seems like the gates of hell swing wide open and we step back and we say, what on earth happened to us? How did our family, how did our home, how did our life get in this mess? We wonder what's going on. We truly have to believe this, ladies and gentlemen as well. We have to believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. I think that we all sometimes have problems with this. Unfortunately, for many, the Bible is a last resort. You think about the pandemonium going on in our life today and then see if there's any going on in your home and your family. And I realize there are times when we get so overwhelmed. But the sad thing is this, we, we are prone to try to figure it all out by ourselves. And we get so consumed with the matter or the trouble or the problem that we forget all about the throne of grace. But I want you to listen carefully today. No matter how spiritual you are or how spiritual you become, none of us 
can ever get to the place where we're going to take life on independently from God. There's an old song that says, I need thee every hour, and we truly do. Every hour of every day we need him. We'll never be able to manage our problems outside of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. And I know that there's probably somebody in here today that's saying, well, Pastor, you just don't know what kind of burden, what type of trouble, what type of trauma that I'm under, that I'm going through. I look out across this crowd and I know that there are many people watching us on the internet today. And I know in a vast crowd like this, there are many people that are overwhelmed going through struggles and troubles and trials. I know that people's hearts are suppressed with worry and stress and all kinds of things are coming at us. And I understand that. But listen carefully. First Peter 5, 7 says this, and this is a perfect scripture when you feel overwhelmed. The Bible says casting all of your care, not some of it, most of it, a lot of it. It says casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. This is sort of echoed back in the Old Testament in Psalms 55 verse 22. It says cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And I want you to understand something. There's a reason why 1 Peter 5, 7 is in the Bible. There's a reason for it. Let me give you a great spiritual truth this morning, and I hope that you'll get this and remember this. Remember a couple of things that we talk about today, but try to remember this. God allows burdens in our life to bend us from time to time. But God never intends for those burdens to break us. He allows burdens to bend us, but he does not intend for them to break us or to destroy us. Though many times we're tempted like Job's wife to look at all of the disgusting things, all of the things that are flying apart and off the wheel and in the ditch, we're tempted, I believe, a lot of times when we become completely overwhelmed with it to Think a little bit like Job's wife in the scripture. Just curse God and die. None of this is worth it. But remember this. There's a great promise in the scripture when you get overwhelmed and you get stressed out. And if you have children and you have grandchildren and you are an influencer in your life, listen, there'll be times when you're overwhelmed. If you're doing things, you're doing the daily things of life, but then you're, you're putting God in the prioritized manner. You're not just trying to cram him in, but you're trying to prioritize him in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. God allows burdens in our life to sometimes bend us, but it's never his intention that those burdens break us. That's something to remember. And so whatever burden you carry today, God is ever ready to help and to help you overcome it. The restraining power of the Holy Spirit will regulate, I believe, the devil's advantage and his device or devices in such a way God has promised a way of deliverance in the scripture here. And I want you to remember this, that God, he does because he loves us and how much he cares for us. He has placed a limit upon the distance that a burden can carry us. 
There's a scripture that says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's another passage I want you to see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, 3 through 5. It says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unframed faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am persuaded that in thee also. And so here in these scriptures, the apostle Paul takes an opportunity to thank Timothy's grandmother and his mother for their faithful lessons of life and to have instilled those into young Timothy's heart. He was saying that the spiritual progress that Timothy had made was a direct result of godliness and determination. If you're not determined, Listen carefully. If you're not determined, I can promise you that Satan is. He's definitely determined. And if you don't have anything prioritized spiritually in your life, listen, I promise you that Satan has a list of priorities. And so Paul was saying that Timothy's success was a direct result of godliness and determination from his grandmother and from his mother. You see, it was them that had taught him against and, and I say, ladies, we've got to teach our children the predators of life. We've got to teach them how bad worldly influences can train wreck their life and how associations matter. It matters who our kids and our families are associated with. The grandmother and mother of Timothy, these godly women would teach incredible lessons I think lessons that every father and mother could still be taught today. I want you to see something in the scriptures. We'll come back to this, but I want you to look in the Old Testament with me just for a moment because there's a great spiritual truth I want you to see in 1 Kings chapter 3. They'll get these scriptures for you on the screen, but there's an incredible spiritual truth that I want you to see, ladies particularly. From this Old Testament story, it's a classic story. Most everyone in here today, I believe, is somewhat familiar with it. <clears throat> but look at 1 Kings chapter 3, and I want to begin reading in verse number 16, and I'll quickly read through verse number 27. The Bible says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thy handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. 
And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. You know now the story takes place before Solomon. In verse 23, Solomon speaks, then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. You know how most of this plays out. Most of you are familiar with this, but there's a spiritual truth that you may have never seen before. And I want you to see this in verse number 24 again. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Notice this carefully. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and in no way slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. That tells you pretty much who was the real mother, doesn't it? In verse 27, Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. Here's the thing that I want you to understand, ladies. Because this real mother teaches an incredible lesson of the sacrifice of motherhood. She was willing to sacrifice all of her motherhood all of the years with that baby, that child, that teenager, she was willing to sacrifice all of it for the well-being of her child. Do you get that? The real mother was willing to sacrifice everything for the well-being of her child. And so I want to admonish you to say this, that beyond the joy of the cradle, beyond the joy of the child's first step, beyond the joy of hearing that child speak the first word, beyond the joy of holding their hands, lies the joy of knowing that they have given their hearts to Christ and you should not depend on Sunday school and church to reinforce those spiritual truths. It should be done and manifested in your home. That will require your total sacrifice. Every woman, every mother in this building has a light to shine, a lesson to teach. So I beg you today as your pastor never to get so preoccupied with yourself that you forget about the responsibilities God has given to you. I'm going to give you six quick absolute truths. And if you look at your bulletin today, you can follow along with me. They are impacted with Scripture if I could place these on your refrigerator, on your nightstand, somewhere in your home to ever remind you of the tremendous responsibility you have, 
I would jot these six things down. Number one, we must teach our children the love of God, but we must also teach them how to love him back. Romans 8, 35 and 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things, these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's wonderful. And it's true. We should never forget the magnitude of the love of God, how he loved us. How God spared not his own son to die for us, unworthy, unlovable. But I want you to see this in Deuteronomy chapter verse, chapter 7, verse 9. Look at it here on the screen. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, this is how you love him back. He is God. Teach your kids this. Teach your grandkids this. Teach your neighbor, your co-worker. He is God. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Number two, you've got to teach. Listen, this has to be taught in your home. We must teach that they must always trust God. In Psalms 33, verse 20 and 22, the Bible says, Our soul waited for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Your kids need to know this. Don't expect them to know it. You need to teach it to them. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. And number three, we've got to teach our kids, our grandchildren, our families, the importance of fearing God. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7, the word says the fear of the Lord. And this doesn't mean that we have to be scared of God as if he were some type of tyrant and big bully in the sky. That's not what this is about. This is talking about respecting him and reverencing him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. Proverbs 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Number four, we've got to teach our families to serve the Lord. That's what we're talking about in this series, Serving Together, and we'll pick back up with that next Sunday, Lord willing. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Ephesians 6 and 7, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And in Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, and you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless thy bread and thy water and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. While our musicians come, I want to ask you to look at number five. We must teach our families that we should always obey God. 
I'm sp when I'm speaking on Wednesday nights in our Bible study now, I don't know how many of you are following along with us, but I will tell you uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is talking about the importance of obeying the ordinances of men and how we ought to obey God rather than men, but there is a premium on obeying the laws of the land. This Wednesday night in our study, I'm going to talk about what does it mean that we must obey the ordinances of man unless they require us to abandon our faith. What does that mean, abandon our faith? I'll share it Wednesday night. But we must teach that we should always obey God. 1 Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And James 1.22, be ye doers of the word. That's something that my heart yearns for and it breaks because I want to see our church get to a place where we're serving God, where we have a hunger for God, where we're just not trying to cram him in on a day, but we're serving. We are baptized in the service of the king. It's the only thing that will matter in the end. Nothing else will last and nothing else will remain. It's our love for God and our service to him. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And lastly, you have to teach your families to worship him. In Psalms 99, verse number 5, Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for his holy and lastly, this morning in Luke chapter 4, verse number 8, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I will tell you this if you don't teach your families, I promise you, the world will. If you don't make Jesus the Lord of your life, and the Lord of your home, and the Lord of your families, if you don't do that, listen, the devil will find clever ways to break down the, the fabric of your family. And again, you'll, you'll be surprised how quick you'll look in the rearview mirror of life and wonder how did it all go wrong and how did it all go wrong so fast, so fast? How did that happen? How did it go so fast? Think about this. You'll be surprised one day in the blink of an eye, your child will fly the nest. They'll start making a life on their own. And I promise you, mom and dad, there'll be nights when you cry yourself to sleep and you say, why didn't I do more for my children? It's not, I promise you, it's not, the dominoes are not going to fall your way. You've got to do something about this. You've got to get involved with them. You've got to teach them. You've got to love them. You've got to help them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to take that word and believe it with all of your heart. If you don't believe it, how in the world are they going to believe it? And open up the word of God. I love it when our grandchildren come over. We, we set them all at the table and we have family devotions with them. Some of them even ask now, Poppy, we're going to have devotions tonight. 
you'll be surprised how quick life changes and they'll be gone. And you'll look in the rearview mirror of your life and you'll say, why did not do more to nurture them in the Lord? You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.